Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. I forgot we're like have to talk. I was just wiggling my shoulder. She's just vibing. She's just here for a good time. It's all the coffee that I've had. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello. Happy Monday. I almost said Happy Valentine's Day, but I think I'm a week ahead. Yeah, I am. Sorry. Happy Monday. I was gonna say um, another fun work and enough. Oh, not fun work. Another fun week. <laughs> another fun work week. God, yeah. I I didn't have a particularly bad week this week. But, you know, I worked, so it wasn't a good week. <laughs> yeah. Let's say I had, like, a Zoom meeting this morning, and the girl's like, happy Friday. And I'm like, I didn't even know it was Friday. So here we are. <laughs> Danielle doesn't know where she is at any given moment. No. <laughs> at all. Um, I, I did have a kind of good good news for once. Um, my gecko that I talked about last week is better. Yeah. So there's guys. that. He's not Hundo P yet, but he's, like, I give him, like, a strong 75. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably, like, pray to Satan for us, and we, like, appreciate it so much. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Keep those altars up. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like Cobra Starship, like, keep your fangs up. Oh, my the God. Altars up. There's a picture of me doing that with uh, oh, yeah, two I know people that. that we went to school with, <laughs> and I saw it the other day, and I was like, cringe. <laughs> that purple sweater. Oh. <laughs> Um, in other not so good news, I'm pretty sure I got a shadow ban on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, literally, Holly's so like, a bitch. <laughs> we try not to care too much about engagement because we are just here for a good time. But like, our last post was seen by two people who did not follow us, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, our reach has gone down significantly. So, like our posts because we're trying to make more friends and save the save apparently is the new thing now i can't keep up with the algorithms i've given up completely to tell you the truth <laughs> like am i the only person that never looks at their saves like i'm pretty sure i, know, I don't stuff, even know where like, it goes to tell you the truth yeah. i just know that it's now what bumps your posts is the saves and the shares likes Why? are like the least uh i don't know like the least helpful i guess is the word i'm looking for uh, i i don't know but we've I think we've been shadow banned. So if you Great. would like to help us not be shadow banned, just keep engaging with us. Yeah. Comments, saves, whatever the hell. We'll just blame Holly because she used the hashtag horror. It's literally entirely my <laughs> fault. So apparently hashtag horror is like a sensitive content thing on Instagram. We got Why? one of those like, are you okay? Pop up things. And I knew it was too, because it happened to us previously. The last time we got shadow banned <laughs> and I don't know, I just did it. And as soon as I did it, I was like, fuck and yeah since then we've gone significantly downhill so <sighs> i don't even care so i'm just like yeah it's not the end of the world but like we want new friends right so it's just really funny to me that's all <laughs> i it, it's fucking hilarious i also don't get it like why is horror sensitive maybe if i use horror movie i don't fucking i'm just not gonna use the word horror ever again it's like it's a, a genre word. so i don't understand why it's an issue I guess because it's associated with gore, maybe. I don't know. Oh but, God, like, don't ban so, me. Like, <laughs> little snowflakes. <laughs> I don't think it warrants a shadow ban. If you want to be like, hey, this is sensitive content, that's fine. But, like, don't kill my vibe, you right? know? <laughs> like, how do, like, like, scary movies promote their shit without those hashtags? I don't know. I don't think there's, like, a way. Or, like, hypothetically, a, like, horror movie podcast. Yeah that's your bread and butter right there and you can't use it yeah on instagram get your shit together as soon as i did it i knew and like 
usually I can sort of tell like when we post a post whether it's going to do well or not. And like we had one like in like 40 minutes and I was like, oh, we're banned. We're shadow banned. Yeah. It's like, that's not good. <laughs> no one's seeing this. Uh, so yeah, help us out if you want. Yeah. We we like friends and we're, we're trying to grow this little cult and I don't know. Maybe Do sad, the but... social media thing, you know. I've given up on Instagram entirely. I don't know what they want from me anymore. I haven't, like, like on my personal, I haven't posted. Like, I post, like, stories and stuff. But, one, you can see who views your stories. Really annoyed that you can't see who, sna- who screenshots anymore. That's annoying. You should bring that back. Oh, you can't? No. Oh, and, weird. Yeah. And uh, I haven't posted since, I'm pretty sure, like, November. <laughs> like, it's been a while. Uh, my thing is, like, what are we doing right now to post? <laughs> yeah it's like just post that. a selfie every day here's a picture of me laying on the couch here's a picture of me moving sitting on from the, the couch <laughs> here's a picture of my iced latte i have to make myself at home because i'm too lazy to go out to get starbucks <laughs> yeah that's my thing there's nothing to post about so i just i don't know i, I went on a couple walks and posted pictures from some walks that's that was exciting she's Ooh. basically a disney princess everybody it's really like it's just the area there. They will flock to any and everybody if you have food there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. We put the seeds on our head and they like started landing on our heads and stuff. And then while we were leaving, we didn't have the seeds on our head anymore. But the, I guess the woodpecker thought I still did. And he just like hopped onto my arm and then walked up to my hood and just like I thought I was going to leave with him to tell you the truth. <laughs> He's like, bitch, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't have any more seeds, bro. Yeah. Like, Bethany, we might have a pet fucking woodpecker. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. What would you call it? Woody? I was going to say. I was going to yeah. say pecker, but never mind. Pecker. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you, we'll name it pecker. Perfect. Um. So yeah, that's that's all the, the news I have this week. Do you have any news this week? Um... We did a nope. lot of ranting last week. Do we have any ranting left this week? I feel like I'm still in that. I don't. I, every time I think about like the world, it's like a Canada that's going on right now. Like the, I swear it's going to be relevant. So when I was giving birth to River, the nurse that I had, she kept saying I was like so stoic. Yeah. And like, like I like, cause I didn't like, wasn't showing emotion and stuff. She's like, I don't know how you're like this. You're just so stoic. And she kept every time, like the, like the doctor that came in and did my epidural, because I'm not fucking going to that without an epidural. Um, <laughs> um like i didn't even phase me and i was like well my con- my contractions are bitch like i don't care about the needle that's in my spine right now and uh, <laughs> she's like the needle brings drugs <laughs> yeah so she's like isn't she like so stoic and kept telling people that so i think like this past week i just had to keep reminding myself to be like stoic, stoic? and like yeah not deal with the world right now yeah and that's fine it's because, like, i've created my own happy little bubble where like yeah. none of this is going on to me you know what i mean like it's, there's in my world and that is a privilege to be able to do that, I will say. It is a privilege oh, to be in a place where I'm healthy enough to say that, like, COVID doesn't exist to me. It's just me and my happy little bubble. Yeah. I'm not going out partying. First of all, I don't have friends to go party with. Um, Her only friend has a child, so. But, you know, in my world, I go out with my dog. I go out on nature walks. I mm-hmm. stick to myself. I, You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if that's what you got to do to survive this. Right. That's I like can a- still acknowledge, I do believe it's real. Don't get me wrong. I, I not one of those people but i just for my own mental health yeah i have retreated into a bubble yeah okay. i just i'm just like like uh, with the man like them getting everyone getting pissed off about the mandates and stuff like that i'm like there is mandates in every aspect of the world and even with jobs and stuff so i understand the frustration behind it but you have to look at it from like different avenues and everything and i'm not and unfortunately saying, sorry go ahead oh no so i was just like i'm like i'm not gonna sit here and tell you what to do with your life but like 
just seeing like the the rallies and stuff and i'm just like to me in my own personal opinion i think it's fucking stupid and if you're there i think you're fucking stupid but that's my opinion and i have a right to it but am i gonna yell at you about it no because no. i'm gonna be a stoic bitch and leave you alone <laughs> <laughs> for me it's just like everybody has their own priority list and it's been very hard to sort of realize that not everybody's gonna align with you all the time Mm -hmm. and to just sort of let go of that notion that everybody's gonna align with you all the time and once you sort of let go of that you're just like yeah "Yeah." (laughs) i just wish people could see it from like the hospital side because like my sister she's a nurse and she's in school and she's still working full-time and her unit has been deemed a covid unit and she's working like 24 7 with people that aren't vaccinated she's having people die on her who aren't vaccinated and so she's seeing all this stuff yeah and so i'm getting it all kind of like i want to say firsthand but i'm getting it through her so i'm seeing everybody i'm seeing everyone sick and like i see people that are like oh i went to the hospital and there was no one there okay just because you go into like one part of the hospital like my sister's unit they segregate it very well yeah it's very closed off and stuff like that and i'm just like and that i think that's the most frustrating part seeing that is like my sister's doing all this stuff to keep families alive and having to, like, some patients will be dying and you get to see them on FaceTime. Like, you yeah. don't get to go in and say bye and stuff like that. Yeah. So she's dealing with all of that. And because of all that and all the unvaccinated people, now she can't see her nephew. Yeah. And it's and- it's hard because people don't, like you said, people don't see that. They only see they're threatening to lay me off work and that's a valid thing to be mad at definitely, but they don't see the definitely. other valid thing to be mad at you know what yeah. i mean they don't see the whole picture they only see their picture yeah and, and I, I think the hardest thing is realizing that not everybody's like us where we kind of see yeah. everything yeah and i think and like with vaccines it's like these vaccines are made so you can survive it and so that you don't have to take up a hospital bed mm-hmm. but then these vaccines also stop the mutation of this virus so then you don't have to keep getting more vaccines and it doesn't keep mutating and getting worse. And like right now, like I know the the variant is like not as bad as it used to be and stuff like that. So it's kind of dwindling down. Keep our fingers crossed until the next fucking variant happens. <laughs> but that's the whole point. And like, that's what I'm seeing. And then I don't, when I try to explain that to somebody, they're just so set in their way. They're just like, I'm losing my job because of it. Then go get fucking vaccinated. Like, yeah. I, it's just, it's frustrating. It's so You just got to realize that you cannot like people like i said people will not always align with you and just gotta fucking let it go sometimes let it go yeah let it go (laughs) like i reacted my facebook and guys that was the biggest mistake yeah you fucked up there i fucked up dark place (laughs) we thought twitter was fucked facebook's fucked facebook's a dark place so um so like a minor vent sash that was good minor vent i'm like real sweaty under my armpits right now guys another stinky week yeah um shall we get into some actually we don't know if it's murder we'll get into some mystery some mystery if you will i'm just gonna Um, take the drink of my drink and it's gonna be icy and i'm sorry (laughs) it's okay um so last week danielle did bigfoot's blonde cousin so i kind of wanted to do like an alternate universe case oh. sort of thing if that makes sense so, so i chose to do uh what people call australia's zodiac killer case oh. um so it's it's an unsolved murder well unsolved death i guess we'll say that took place in australia um 
and they they call it the Zodiac Killer case because there's a code involved. It's not quite the same. Like, it's not a serial killer, but it's uh, it's a little bit of a reach, but let me have it. Uh, so this case is known as the Summerton Man or the, I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this, the Tamam Shud case. And that will make sense in just a minute. Uh, so on the evening of November 30th, 1948, John Bain Lyons and his wife were taking an evening stroll on Summerton Beach, which is like a, a little resort town outside of Adelaide, Australia. They spotted a man lying against a seawall who was in rough shape. Uh, they thought he was just drunk and they saw him like lift his hand and they thought he was going to like smoke his cigarette, but he kind of just like dropped his hand and slumped over. And they were like, wow, look at this drunk idiot. Um, a little while after this, another couple saw the same man slumped over in a similar position. They noticed he wasn't really moving despite a swarm of mosquitoes circling his head. Um, I know what mosquitoes are like here and I feel like Australia's mosquitoes are so much worse because everything is insane in Australia. Everything like, in Australia is like on steroids. So. Yeah, you don't have like your spiders are so big. <laughs> make, yeah. make, that makes sense. So like, like the, the fact that he wasn't spider? swatting. What's that? The huntsman spider? Yeah, they're huge. No, thank you. That's nightmare fuel. The snakes and stuff are cool to me. It's the spiders that put me off from moving to Australia. Um, So, yeah, he wasn't trying to swat these away or anything. He was just, like, letting it happen, which I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also thought he was just drunk, though, and continued on their day. Um, A third witness came forward, like, way later in 1959, but he said that he saw what he believed to be the same man uh, early in that Uh, like that morning at like 2 a.m. kind of thing. So he told officers he was on the beach at that time and spotted two men. One seemed to be carrying the other over his shoulder, like when you have to take your drunk friend out of the bar. Um, He couldn't provide descriptions of either men because it was dark and he was far, I guess. Mm -hmm. But that's what he saw. Um, On the morning of December 1st, 1948, John Lyons, so the guy from the first couple, he returned to the beach to go swimming. Around 6.30 a.m., he noticed a group of people gathering along the shoreline uh when he got closer he realized that the man from the night before was still slumped over in the exact same position that he had left him in so he ran back to his house to call the police to report the body um the man was resting against the seawall which is like i guess rocks for those who don't know i didn't know what it was i had to look it up i was just about uh, to ask, like what is a seawall <laughs> it's like a cliff kind of sort okay. of or like um you know when you see those like rock formations on beaches that are like they look like big circles and stuff yeah but they're kind of freestanding like and that it's on like a, it's on the beach yeah 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 um so he was slumped forward with a half smoked cigarette lying on his jacket like on the collar area um he was dressed sharply wearing a suit and freshly shined shoes which is not what one would normally wear to the beach uh so this made investigators boots to the beach <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe i didn't think of that joke <laughs> um so investigators thought that he might have been killed somewhere else and brought to the beach which would coincide with what that third witness would say like 10 years later um there was no sign of a struggle and the man did not have any id on him initially police thought the man just died of natural causes while out for a walk on the beach uh however they couldn't find any matching missing missing persons reports and no one had come forward to id the man so they decided they should probably dig a little bit further into the case um the body was examined by dr john barkley bennett i scrolled too far again um he estimated the time of death to be quote no sooner than 2 a.m whatever that means i couldn't in my head make that make sense they were just no like, sooner than 2 a.m mm, no sooner so than so that 2 means that it was 2 a.m at the latest what 
I guess, yeah. I, I, this is like those math riddles. <laughs> maybe like, yeah, like, and nothing after 2 a.m. Because it would just be like, I don't know how you determine that. I don't know. Uh, they did it based on rigor mortis. So based on how mm. stiff he was. Um, <laughs> the cause of death was listed as heart failure with a note that it could have been caused by poisoning. The autopsy revealed that his pupils were smaller than normal. His spleen was three times the normal size and like firm uh his liver was distended with congested blood and his stomach was also full of blood along with the remains of a pastry uh (laughs) these observations made dr bennett believe the victim had been poisoned but there was no trace of anything found in his system and nothing in the pastry they even tested the pastry i was gonna be like did they test the pastry yeah they did Hmm. nothing uh so a different coroner suggested two lethal poisons that would decompose rapidly in the human body one is called digitalis and the other is strophanthin don't quote me on that i was um, like you did a very good job because i could not do that nope. i it looks uh, i told carl about the one time that you tried to say a science word and he told me that science words are mostly phonetic so he said as long as you say it like it looks you should be right <laughs> Okay, that's cool. what I'm sticking to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so either poison could have, be, could have been used in this case and decomposed before the autopsy was performed, which would leave no trace behind. Um, so that's not You know what's kind of scary about this kind of stuff? Is like we could literally be giving like ideas to some like killer right now to be like, use this. Shit, Danielle. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, a lot of people said that about like criminal minds and stuff too. Like a lot of when criminal minds oh, first started, it. a lot of people didn't like it because it's like, literally step by step how to get away with murder for a little bit (laughs) yeah just like watch this you don't have to google it just yeah listen to the podcast and there's like i think like forensic files was another one like there's a whole thing but at at that rate we have googled now you know yeah but you don't want to google history that's true i don't know people still do it (laughs) yeah i know do we should we put a disclaimer please don't kill people yeah please don't um so it was also reported that the somerton man was missing his two lateral incisors in incisors those are teeth yeah um due to a genetic scissors isn't it incisors incisors is it i don't fucking know okay it's incisors should have just googled the like the the common name and gone with that but i was like i'll try this (laughs) incisors they're actually scissors yeah he was missing teeth um (laughs) and he had a rare genetic disorder called hypodon hypodontia uh, which existed in only two percent of the population oh wow um so another sign of this condition is deformations of the ears from owlcation.com his quote upper ear hollow or simba is larger than his larger or sorry his lower ear hollow or cavum so like the big part is wider mm-hmm. and like the little part where your ear hole is is like smaller oh okay I, have I don't think pictures. I've ever actually like looked at an ear before like that closely. Studied it. I only yeah. I only now noticed it because they had a before and after like not a before and after a uh, uh, normal versus uh, hypodontia ear. Okay. And the differences and stuff. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Things that so, make you go. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the autopsy also noted that his leg muscles were quote high and toned, and his feet were oddly pointed. And the doctor suggested that he might have been a ballet dancer in his younger years which i thought was kind of a fun twist yeah um so evidence collected that day belonging to the mystery man included an unused train ticket from adelaide to henley beach and then a bus ticket from adelaide to 
Glenelg, which is like where the the Somerton Beach was. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a pack of juicy fruit gum, some matches, and some cigarettes. It was also noted that all of the labels were cut out of his clothing. Um, investigators could tell his suit was expensive based on the make and material, but his pants had a tear in the pocket, and that had been sewn up with a non-matching orange thread. That's important. It comes up later. Um, Wait, what color of his pants? Holy shit, I don't know. Because I was like, I imagine like black, black and white pants pictures. And, like, and then just like orange. <laughs> so weird. Oh my god, I don't know. I only ever saw like the black and white photos. Mm. <laughs> nope, uh, I can tell you pants. the thread is orange. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing a guy walk around with orange pants? I mean, my dad. My dad wears orange everything. Didn't Stuart have like purple pants or so- green pants or something? Yeah, green and red. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. remember those. Um, tags out of his clothing, you know, orange thread. We went through that. Uh, so they released all of this information to the public and even brought some families in hoping to ID the man, but they still couldn't find a match. Uh, investigators contacted local hotels, dry cleaners, and train and bus stations in the area looking for any unclaimed items that had been found on their properties. So mm-hmm. like lost and found type items. Um, the next day, the Adelaide railway station reported that a brown suitcase had been left in a coat room on November 30th and was unclaimed as of that day. So January 12th uh they turned the suitcase over to the police where a search revealed a whole slew of random objects um i'm gonna reference this article a lot it's from allocation.com they literally had the most thorough article i've ever seen but they have a list of everything that was in his suitcase and it's like i don't know how big this suitcase was but he overpacks more than me so i'm not gonna <laughs> list everything i'm gonna list just the important things um first and foremost they found a spool of orange barber thread the brand was not found in australia but the threads were a perfect match to those used to sew the victim's pockets coincidentally the label had been torn off of the suitcase as well uh Maybe just like just the labels on his clothes like i cut the labels off of my clothes i feel him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so all of the clothing in the suitcase actually had their tags removed too uh, so it's it's almost like the, either the killer or the victim didn't want to be traced back to, like, a town where he could have bought the items or something. Like, he just didn't want to be traced back to, oh, he got these pants here kind of thing. That's so um, weird. Like, that's not, like, the whole extra step. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit, though. There's There's theories behind that. So on three items of clothing, whoever did it left labels behind that read T. Keen on them, but not the actual, like, clothing label. It's, like, one of those, like, don't steal my clothes labels. Mm-hmm. Um, so investigators looked through the m- missing persons files, but there was no one by that name found in their listings. Um, the discovery of the suitcase also helped investigators form a timeline. So he purchased the ticket to Henley Beach at the train station where the suitcase was found. Uh, through interviews, police learned that the men's bathroom was closed on that day. So they kind of pieced together the story that he was told to walk to the other bathroom that were like half a mile away. Um, and apparently back in the day, there was like showers in public bathrooms. So they said that he like had a shower and a shave and everything. Uh, so they think all of this like extra walk and all this bathing and everything led him to miss the train, which then led him to buy the bus ticket that was found in his pocket. Um, and that was timed at around 11 a.m. So this leaves about eight hours in the day where they don't know what happened. So they got up to 11 a.m. on his journey so far. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to take lots of sips. This is a long one today. <laughs> So with no new leads, investigators called in John Cleland, who is a professor of pathology at the University of Adelaide. Uh, he reexamined the body in April of 1949, and it was John who discovered the real twist in this case. He discovered a small little extra pocket that was sewn into the victim's pants that investigators missed the first time around. Uh, he believed this 
was like a like a pocket watch pocket like it was sewn in after mm. to hold a pocket watch um inside the pocket professor cleland found a small rolled up piece of paper a message was written on the paper that read tamam should again i'm so sorry for butchering that uh so this is a persian phrase that loosely translates to it is ended or the end and it's common to be found at the end of like books and stuff um so this led investigators to believe the man may have poisoned himself while committing suicide. So they thought this was like his last words or like a goodbye note kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that partnered with the fact that he left no ID or way to ID him sort of set them on this path. Investigators noted that the phrase uh, could be found in a 12th century poetry book called, again, I'm so sorry, the, the Rub- Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Uh, which had become quite popular in Australia during the war after it was translated by Edward Fitzgerald. Um, So apparently, like, everybody had this book in Australia at the time. Okay. Uh, And the poems all spoke of love and death, which kind of spawned the theory that the man killed himself after having his heart broken. Um, So most of these theories are just kind of the police making stories as they go, but they do start to piece together. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) They're just like, let's just go with this. (laughs) Yeah. So the font found on the scrap of paper was unlike any of the text in the other copies of this book. It was like a fancy handwriting, whereas the other books, I guess, were like your standard text. Okay. Um, Police reached out to local bookstores and libraries trying to find the copy that the page came from, but they had no luck. Many believe this was a -a one-of-a-kind publishing until a man came forward on July 23rd, 1949. This man brought his copy of the book and the last page that would have said Tamam should was ripped out. Uh, the font was a perfect match for the note found in the pocket. So when they asked him where he got the copy from, the man said he and his brother had gone for a drive in a car that he stored near Somerton Beach. On the day the body was discovered, they found the book in the back seat and like didn't really think anything of it. The, like uh, what he said was like he thought it was his brother-in-law's and his brother-in-law thought it was his. So neither of them really mentioned it. Uh, so they tried to trace the book back to the publishing house. Mm-hmm. But when they contacted the one listed on the book, they claimed they had never produced a version that looked like this one. Uh, they didn't want to just give up on the clues. So Detective Sergeant Lionel Lean started examining the book a little more closely. Um, he discovered that the back not page but like the back um oh my god cover cover yeah. of the book had like imprints on it from writing okay um it looked like someone oh i already said that <laughs> it looked like someone wrote on it so they used uv light to make out the writing and it revealed what appeared to be a code there were five lines of letters and the second line had been crossed out and they also found what looked like two phone numbers so they dialed the numbers one belonged to a bank who didn't have any answers and the other was a woman named jessica thompson who lived near somerton beach jessica was hesitant to speak to the police uh she was worried about like a scandal coming out if she was caught talking to them and this made investigators believe she might have been hiding something and given her past they believe she actually might have been having an affair with the victim so Ooh. apparently she had been seeing like multiple men and some were married and all this stuff she had like a whole story that we're gonna get to in a bit um get jessica it, wouldn't what's that i was like get it girl oh yeah man especially in the 40s when that was shunned like woo. um so Jessica wouldn't say much, but she did tell investigators that she gave uh, her copy of the book to a man named Alfred Boxall. Uh, she was what an army nurse. Name. I know. Boxall. <laughs> Gonna box them all. Oh. Um, 
She was an army nurse, and uh, the two had met during World War II. Investigators were hoping that the man on the beach could have been ID'd as Alfred, but unfortunately they found the real Alfred, and he was very much alive, and still had his copy of the book from Jessica, meaning the one found on the beach could not be tied to Jessica, Mm. meaning there is a second special copy out there. Um, So in another attempt to get Jessica talking, they brought her in to see the body of the unidentified man. Um, Detective Sergeant Lean noted that she seemed, quote, completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint. Now, this could have been because she had just seen a body, but she didn't. Um, She had actually only seen a cast that was made of his face. Oh. So it, it was like plaster, essentially. And they also noted that she was an army nurse, so they thought that, like, bodies wouldn't bother her yeah you'd think so yeah so uh her reaction made them think that she knew the somerton man but she still denied it and they didn't have anything else to go on so she was never really she she wasn't like a suspect or anything they just kind of let her go i guess um so from here they tried to crack the code again and still had no luck they called in like navy experts and shit and no one could figure it out um similar to the zodiac they published it in newspapers across australia having uh, hoping to have someone at home that was able to crack it but nothing so in june of 1949 six months after the summerton man had been found police decided it was time to lay him to rest they buried him in a plot and specifically chose one with dry dirt in case they had to like dig him back up for further investigation uh the brown suitcase was destroyed in 1986 as the case grew cold and they figured it was kind of useless at this point like they got whatever they could out of it uh the copy of the book was lost from police archives sometime in the 50s (laughs) and has not been found to this day the most pivotal clue in the case (laughs) and there's like we don't need it bye (laughs) oh god this isn't important Um, so the case is kind of sort of closed and a statement was issued by the South Australian coroner in 1958 that read, quote, I am unable to say who the deceased was. I am unable to say how he died or what was the cause of death, end quote. So they were just like, he's dead. That's all we know. We don't know. Um, That's it. We don't know who he is. They really all kind of like gave up. Like they exhausted all of their leads and they were just like, fuck it. Um, in later years, they refused to exhume the body for modern DNA testing because they said it would only reopen the investigation, or sorry, that they would only reopen the investigation if compelling new evidence came forward, um, DNA which is testing? fair. Well, so would they have a match for him, though? Because, like, where would they have collected, you know what I mean? Like, What if they have, like, a family member in the system? They could get, like, a, like a down-the-line generational family member, but I guess they didn't deem it worth it to pay to dig him up and all of that stuff that's fair. which like i guess is fair but um and i guess their thing was like no one really came looking for him so like who who would they open the case for if that makes sense yeah i don't know i i kind of get where they're coming from but but we also I like answers personally yeah. so. <laughs> i'm like my anxiety would not let me have that. yeah like, no so some of the theories surrounding the Summerton man's death, I mentioned suicide. So I'm going to expand on that a little bit first. This theory says the man was having an affair with Jessica Thompson and that she ended things with him breaking his heart. He tore a page from their hypothetical shared favorite book and drank poison on the beach near her home to end it all. Um, so if you're wondering how they made this connection, this is where we get into Jessica's love life a little bit. So during police interviews, she claimed that she was married and gave them the last name of Johnson, but no marriage records could be found. She was living with a man named Prestige Johnson, which is like, what a name. What a name. (laughs) Prestige. Um, But he was technically still married to his wife from 1936. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
1946, Jessica got pregnant and moved back home to her parents. And in 1947, she had a son and moved back in with Prestige, taking his last name. Um, so it wasn't until three years later when Prestige finally finalized his divorce that they got married. So she kind of sort of lied to police in a roundabout way, but like not really. Maybe um, it was just like she was like, I'm married, but I'm like in her. Like, I know people that are like. Like, me and Stuart will be like, oh, like, my husband, my yeah. wife. I always I saw my Carl partner. trying to call me his wife once, and I was like, uh-uh. I need no. something a lot more expensive on my <laughs> finger for that. <laughs> um, that's actually totally fair. Get your shit in order, Carl. Um, but, like, I call Stuart my partner and stuff, but, like, if I say, like, my husband, I'm, like, I've been with him for so long. It's kind of just, like, like, and you're, like calmer, so it's married at this point. Yeah. And my parents were like that. Like, my mom took on my dad's last name before they... I, yeah like, my parents are i never married, really thought about so, that I mean, yeah but she just took the name yeah so yeah she kind of did that i guess um that being said there were some rumors as to who the baby daddy was so there's mm. also that aspect we're gonna get into that in a little bit um so jessica claimed that her son belonged to prestige mm-hmm. uh, and the two raised him together as their own uh but like i said there was rumors that she was seeing more than one man in 1946 around the time she got pregnant uh, Jessica admitted to giving Alfred Boxel the copy of her book in 1945 while she was with Prestige. Um, and they didn't explicitly say that they were like boyfriend and girlfriend or anything, but she definitely said that they she gave it to him like on a date and it was like a romantic like dinner thing. Um, so they basically assumed that she had been sleeping around and somehow crossed paths with the Summerton man. The theory goes on to say that the Summerton man knew that Jessica's son was actually his. And there's some pretty shocking evidence that, like, almost confirms this. I'm getting excited, if you can't tell. (laughs) Um, A professor at the University of Adelaide named Derek Abbott claims to have a rare photo of Jessica's son that showcases both his ears and his teeth. Mm. If you remember from earlier, the Summerton man had a rare genetic disorder which caused him to have missing teeth and misshapen ears. According to Professor Abbott, Jessica's son shared the same genetic traits as the Summerton man. And only Again, 2%. Only 2% of the, pop- of the population, of the population. <laughs> has this rare condition. Uh, so again, from allocation.com, quote, the odds of this being a coincidence uh, wow i just forgot the last part of that word <laughs> the odds of this being a coincidence are estimated to be between one in 10 million and one in 20 million well hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so the only thing i will say that goes against this is that the picture has never been released to the public hmm. so we have to hope that this professor at the university of adelaide is telling the truth which i choose to believe he would yeah maybe he's just <laughs> like not obviously not releasing it for the child's protection at that point that's true because he uh i don't think his id or his name or anything was ever released and Mm -hmm. uh jessica herself went by it was like justin it was j-e-s-t-y-n and uh she did that for like anonymity and stuff so anytime she would go into police police station anytime she would sign something it was under that like nickname okay um so she was very private about all of this so i could see that being a reason too um So personally, I I like this theory. I think it sticks a little bit, but we're going to get into another one for funsies. So this theory says that the Summerton man was actually a super top secret spy and was murdered on the job for some top secret spy reason. I love Um, it. So it sounds insane, but it does piece together. The Australian government had announced that it would establish a national secret security service just before the man was discovered. I think it was like the same year, maybe. Okay. Um, it would be called the Australian Secret Intelligence Organization, and one of their bases, which was called Woomera, 
or the town was called Woomera. I don't know. It was in South Australia, kind of like near Adelaide. Um, so investigators believe that the Summerton man took the train from Woomera to Adelaide on November 30th, uh, the day before he turned up dead. And a train schedule timeline confirmed that the trip would line up with when he purchased his bus ticket to the beach. Mm-hmm. So the train from Woomera would have come in around the time that he could have gotten off and then bought his ticket okay kind of thing okay um so people also believe that the suggested cause of death here confirms the spy spy rumor uh so a rare poison that could kill a man without leaving a trace behind kind of seems pretty 007 to me um allocation.com again notes that there were no traces of poison found in the stomach and no injection sites found on the skin so they kind of pieced together a theory of how the poison was given to him uh, apparently back in this time period, it was common for people to wrap cheap cigarettes in the wrappers of expensive cigarettes to give off the impression that they were wealthy during a time of like post-war economic slump. Um, the Summerton man, however, was found with expensive cigarettes wrapped in cheap wrappers. So like the reverse, which hmm. allocation theorizes means that the supposed killer poisoned the fancy cigarettes because spies can afford fancy cigarettes and then wrap them in the cheap wrapping paper that the Summerton man would have been smoking. Um, interesting so other evidence supporting this theory include the fact that no one ever identified him not even like a casual witness saw him that day other than the people who already saw him dead you know what Um, creeps me out about like the the witnesses is what the first witness said they saw his hand move so he was like alive yeah when they saw him and then that he essentially died sometime in the morning i guess yeah unless it was like a a a non-voluntary movement i don't know um but yeah, they just assumed he was drunk and kept walking. Yeah. That's just, um, I, that's all I've been thinking about this whole time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been solved much earlier. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically, if he was like a normal person and not a spy, they believe that someone should have been able to ID him, whether it was a coworker or his wife or his kids. Uh, they they believed he had no family or no contacts in the outside world, which is very spy-ish. Yeah. Um, and the last point before I wrap this thing up is the mysterious book with the uncrackable code. Investigators and code experts agree, despite being unsolved, it is in fact a code. They, uh, there is a distinct pattern that exists there. Um, a lot of people say that it's just like random letters and it doesn't mean anything. But those involved in the case deny this. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh my god, I was high when I wrote this. What kind of person makes an uncrackable code? The Zodiac Killer. But also spies, I guess. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, a baby. Oh, you brought me a chocolate bar. Thanks. Thank you, buddy. That was really sweet. Aw. He literally handed it to me. He's like, here you go. That was so cute. That was really cute. <laughs> My ovaries hurt. <laughs> uh, spies, blah, blah, blah. So, again, from allocation.com, who literally wrote this episode for me. Um, apparently, spies are known to use what's called a one-time pad as ciphers for hidden messages. Um, so from allocation, quote, a special edition of a book could be used to encode a message and the book itself would be needed to decipher it. For example, certain letters or patterns in the code would refer to a specific page number and word on that page. If the code used the numbers 3712, it might refer to the 12th word on the 37th page. Hmm. In this case, the letters could have been substituted for numbers. So like A is one b is two etc etc and represent words that could be pulled from the book to form a message um so they believe that this copy of the book was like literally made by this spy group essentially um so as we know police lost that copy of the rubaiyat 
and they still the have five group stole it oh they took it back oh, oh. i didn't even think of that yeah um they still have yet to find an identical copy other than the one that uh jessica gave to alfred is that his name um so it's believed that this specific book could have been used as a one-time pad by this spy ring that they believe the Semerton man was associated with mm-hmm. um unfortunately i don't think we'll ever know who he was what happened to him um and like america's zodiac killer it remains a mystery hidden behind a code look at that look at that writing there that was a plus writing i was gonna say that was a plus plus writing <laughs> but yeah i thought that was a fun little case Oh, do you know what else is like you know how all of his tags were cut out yeah what if he was like that person that had to put his name on his tags what do you mean like like as a kid like you oh. write your name on like your your school top yeah, or yeah maybe like he was just like there's something about that and he had to write his name on every tag so whoever killed him actually cut all of his tags out to be like don't want to know oh. people to know his and name they left so they did the only ones they left only had like a first initial yeah and couldn't be traced to anything yeah i don't know there's so many weird i the ear thing threw me off with uh jessica's son like if that's true then i could see that being the thing but there's also so many other things that point to like the spy thing yeah uh the fact that again he's apparently got no friends or family but is is wealthy like uh again i'm trying to be sensitive with wording usually when people don't have friends or family that are are found dead and unidentified they're usually uh homeless or or sex workers or something um lower income whereas this guy was like wearing a nice suit had shine shoes you know what i mean like it just didn't fit the so why didn't he have anybody looking for him yeah i don't know i don't think they're ever going to open it to find out uh, unless something like really compelling comes forward i googled like uh summerton man updates and the only update was this 84 year old man came out in like 2010 or something and he's like i saw the summerton man dead on the beach and that was it that was it okay so did six other people like (laughs) Like, thanks for that thanks for that update man appreciate it so yeah that one's gonna that one's a little bonkers yeah took me on a train ride tell you what <laughs> and here australia we thought you were just wild with your fucking animals but no apparently you got spies I'm gonna look into more australia cases i don't think i've ever really touched on any this i think this is my first i did one australia episode but then we had to remove it so oh a- yikes yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that so, that's, that's, and i didn't i'm not redoing it so it's such but, a shame i know but uh, whatever. maybe we'll release it as a bonus one day just cut my part out just me talking to myself <laughs> oh shit yeah fuck no. oh well it's fine everything's it's fine, fine. We're, we're not bitter um shall we get into something spooky we should but i'm my just spooky still, voice i'm still so baffled by that case <laughs> i like really want them to like dig him up and like test his dna but maybe they aren't doing it because they actually know he's a spy and they're like well <gasps> we can't do this now because yeah and that's like, also closed. possible yeah I didn't think of that. There's so many little theories. Like, I could have made that, like, 12 pages long. It actually, it was nine pages when I first wrote it, and I cut it down Love to it. five. <laughs> like, come on, Australian, please. Tell us your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we'll get into something spooky. I did a small one today because Holly's like, I went on and wrote an essay. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Um, So we are going to talk about the Driscoll Hotel. Um, I think I know this one really it sounds familiar so the hotel was built in 1886 by colonel jesse driscoll and is located in austin texas 
Um, Jesse was a cattle baron and moved to Texas in 1849. So he purchased the land in 1844 or 1884. Um, and four years later, he um, built this hotel and had this hotel named after him. Like, even if you go into this hotel right now, there's like a huge fucking painting of him like in the lobby. He's like not it's vain. So, he's not like <laughs> self-centered at all. No. <laughs> um, so it officially opened on December 20th, 1886, and it was automatically one of the most sought out hotels. Um, it was in the newspapers and everyone wanted to stay. The governors had their inaugural like ball at this hotel. And I think it's like been tradition ever since. Like to this day, they still have the ball there. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like a beautiful hotel. It's so nice. Um only a year after it was open, Jesse actually had to close the hotel because he could no longer afford it. He basically lost his fortune because there was like a big freeze in the northern plains of Texas oh. where his cattle were and all of his cattle died. Like 3,000 cattle Dude, died. Dude, we just had, remember uh, a little, was it last year where Texas froze? Yeah. I, how often does this happen? I don't know. <laughs> Someone from Texas, how often do you guys freeze like that? Because I right? thought you were warm. I, th- I think they got more snow, too, like this year. What's I feel happening? like they just got a snow. Yeah. When I think of Texas, I think of, like, always warm and, like, yeah. you're always, like, in sand and, like, boots and shit, you know? <laughs> everybody in Texas wears cowboy boots. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> everybody. <laughs> and, like, they only ever eat barbecue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so he lost his fortune, so he couldn't afford to keep this hotel opened. He ended up selling the hotel in 1888 to Jim Day, who was his brother-in-law, and Jim actually reopened the hotel. Um, Jesse Driscoll died on May 3rd, 19, or 1890, of a stroke. He was 66 years old. People wow. say he died of, like, a heartbroken man because after his cattle, like, he lost everything. He lost everything. Yeah, and he just couldn't build it back up. Um, so George Littlefield, who was another cattle guy, ended up purchasing the hotel in 1895. He did some renos and then sold it in 1903 to E.L. Wilt. Um, ended up going through more owners through its time, and I'm not going through the list of them. Because, did he keep the name the whole time? Uh, yeah, it did. And still cool. the Driscoll Hotel. Yep. Well, at least he had that going for him. Right? Um, so ended up going through a bunch more owners through its time and then until 2013 when Hyatt Hotels Corporation purchased it for a measly $85 million. Wow. Yeah. And they did 8 million buckaroos and renos. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have to Google this hotel. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so it's the oldest hotel in operation in Austin, Texas. That's cool. Fun fact, Yeah. And it's obviously had a lot of renos, so it's absolutely beautiful. I think it's, like, a dead, like, center of Austin, Texas, too. Um, And obviously, it's one of the most haunted hotels in America. So, (laughs) I feel like every... We should, like, every episode, we should change the name to, like, the most haunted this in America, number one. The most haunted this in America, number number two. two. I feel like every place in America that is haunted is like part of the, the most haunted. Yeah. Do you know what? They should stop having lists like that because I feel like one ghost is already the most haunted. You know what I mean? Right? Like any haunting is too much haunting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Another top t- 10 million for you. Um, <laughs> so the first spirit that is said to haunt these halls is of a little girl. It said that in 1887, she was chasing her ball down the hallway when it went down the grand staircase. And unfortunately, she went with it. She fall, yeah, she died falling down those stairs. Oh. Um, apparently, when you're in the hallway, you can hear her giggling and the sound of the ball either rolling or, like, bouncing down the, like, hallway. And then you can also hear, you can also hear that on the stairs. 
So I'm like, can you imagine walking down the hall and like there's no kids anywhere. You just hear a ball bouncing and a child giggling. Like, leave. Get the salt. And then just... it would be the thumping down the stairs for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, do traumatizing. We hear, do we hear the ball thumping down the stairs or is it her? Hmm. Oh, I was picturing her. <laughs> 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 I, I, I had to say what you were thinking. So. <laughs> She would make... Oh, God, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. We're there's holding no, back that one. There's no confirmed deaths or, like, reports on her, so it was just an urban legend. So oh, okay. It might not even be true, but apparently this you can hear that the ghost. Like, she's there, and that's what the theory is. That's how she died. Um, so, obviously, the building has to be haunted by the original owner, so Jesse Driscoll. People have said um, they smelled like cigar smoke, which Jesse was known for. Staff have also blamed the lights flickering and not working on Jesse as well. Probably because he was like, when I built this, there was no electricity. Fuck your lights. <laughs> what is this demon work? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so now the reason I chose to talk about this hotel is because of this next story regarding two spirits that reside here. I just find it really weird. Um, so people like to call it the tale of the suicide brides. So Ooh. Yeah. So there is a suite in the hotel room 525 where two tragedies took place. The first bride, little is known about her. Um, but apparently she was staying in 525, um, with her fiance. And this was around, I want to say like 1971, like the 1970s. Um, so little, again, little is known about her, but she was staying there with her fiance. Um, her fiance actually called off the wedding and she Mm. took it really bad and ended up committing suicide in the bathtub in room 525. Um, she has been seen walking the hallways in her wedding gown. Aw. Yeah. Then, 20 years later, in 1991, a woman is set to marry, and he actually left her at the altar. Yeah. Don't do that. So, she decided to go... Yeah, decided to go on a spending spree with her ex's credit cards. Hell yes! Yeah. Hell yes! (laughs) And then made her way back to room 525. She was found dead in the the room's bathtub in 525 with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. People have seen this woman walking down the hallway either carrying a shit, like all the the purchases she made, um, or walking (laughs) down with a gun, and then she is seen walking through 525's door. The weirdest thing... That's how I'd want to be seen as a ghost, with like Chanel bags and stuff, just like, yeah. Right? Um, The weird thing about this is their deaths happened exactly 20 years to the day. Ooh, that sounds kind of curse-like to me. 20 years. So what I think might have happened there is the first bride committed suicide and she's been stuck in the hotel and then this couple have the five because it's a suite so they're staying at 525 and it's a newly almost newly married couple he leaves her and then the the ghost bride is having like like reliving her almost yeah reliving what happened to her and then when this girl comes back she kind of just takes over and then or maybe the ghost like um like what's the word i'm looking for like appeared to her and like spoke to her i was like hey i went through the same thing do you want made it better you know what i mean like come be friends (laughs) yeah (laughs) us in the afterworld that's like a very um like the name of the story and everything this is all very spooky like it's it's really setting a mood yeah but that's all i have but that's the reason why i chose this hotel is because of that last Situ- I, like, I hate saying I love that, but yeah. it was but a good one. Day. Same day, 20 years apart. That's wild. It's what are the odds? I know. 
Like the odds of of two suicides for the same reason alone yeah. are are one in a bunch, I guess. Yeah. And then to be twenty years to the date is just yeah. that sounds like a curse to me. Yeah. Both, See what happens in another twenty years. Right. Both women got left right before yeah. their wedding date. Both Which died like, in the bathtub. Don't do that. Right? <laughs> Especially like the leaving at the altar. That's expensive. First of all. Yeah. I hope they paid for it. Like not the girls. Yeah. Like the guys. Like fuck you. Yeah. Wow, well, that was a good one. That was very spooky. That little end story there. That right. gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. The heebie-jeebies, or like heebie-jeebies. the little ghost girl. That's always terrifying. Ghost children are the worst kind of ghost. Yeah. They're just something about the giggle where it's supposed to sound cute and innocent, but because it's disembodied, it sounds everything but cute and innocent. Yeah, you know, and it could be actually a demon. So you never know. You yeah, just, you never know. Yeah, just don't trust anything you can't see. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. That's like that's like gonna be my my life motto. Don't yeah. trust anything you can't see. <laughs> and with that, do you want to be our friend? Come help solve uh, this murder. Well, yeah, let me know. I know we have a few listeners in Australia, so if you know anything about this case that I didn't like yeah. cover anything, let me know. I'm We're actually popping off one. in Australia now. Yeah. So many Hello, downloads. Australians. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate you. Even though it's probably like morning where you are right now when we're recording. And it's summer there? Question yeah. Mark? Yeah, because yeah, our winter You guys are all backwards. Summer. You guys are, like, it's a whole new planet over there. I always picture them, like, literally standing upside down, too, because it's just, I don't know. You know how in, like, uh, cartoons and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Australia's a magical place. That's all I know. In case anyone wants to know how Holly's brain works. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. There's a glitch in the Matrix. Oh. Okay, just come hang out with us on Instagram. Be our friend. Yeah. Especially on Instagram right now. <laughs> Come help us not get shadow banned. Uh, our Instagram <laughs> is a spooky hour podcast. Our Twitter. If you is- could find it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> at spooky hour. And our email is the spooky hour podcast. Six, six, six at gmail.com. Uh, I already made a post about this, but if you have any like Valentine's episodes that you think would be cool for us to cover, let us know by like Thursday. Cause that's usually when we end up writing our scripts. <laughs> yeah i definitely wrote mine last i i always i work the best under pressure like i i like i'm the queen of procrastination i always get it done but every week i'm like i'm gonna start it on monday and then all of a sudden it's fucking thursday at 10 p.m and i'm like oh fuck me i always do like my um like i'll pick my case on monday That's and if yeah. i'm not exhausted then i'll start writing a bit but i'm usually wednesday thursday yeah like i I have like the next 10 episodes i know what i'm doing yeah. and sometimes i'll like like this one i shuffled around so i could like do a smaller one for oh cool um, look at yours. you yeah but i like, pick mine every week i don't know what i'm doing next week <laughs> who fucking knows <laughs> but yeah it's just like i don't know but yeah, if, in about, case you're wondering the process behind this shit show, it's just yeah. a shit show ish. <laughs> I don't have. I forgot about about Valentine's Day, so I don't have a Valentine's Day episode unless I find one. Unless you find one, I don't have one yet either. Um, I just love a theme. We all know this. So if you have any yeah. ideas, especially for Danielle, <laughs> <laughs> please help me. Please help. Please help. And have a lovely week. And, and stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.